whenever we bless and appreciate you, Father, for the very first Sunday in the month of September. Thank you, God of heaven, for carrying us through. We bless you, God, for sustaining us. Thank you, God, for divine provision. My Jehovah, we bless you because your presence never departed from us. We honor you. As we enter into your word, O God of heaven, scripture says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was God. Father, we pray that God of heaven will really give yourself to us. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray you speak to our mind, speak to our body, you speak to everything, O God, in us in Jesus' name. Lord, as you speak to us, we shall receive life. We shall receive strength. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, we are praying. Amen. This morning, the topic before us is misplacement of trust. Can somebody say it? Misplacement of trust. Uh, the text is taken from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 5 to, to 8. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, 7, and 8. And somebody read it for us then? Well, let me read. Trust in the Lord. Yes. And lean not unto your understanding. Trust is one great virtue that determines so many things in the life of a man, either good or bad. For example, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve actually started with trust. Incidentally, they encountered God first and God gave them instructions before the devil came and the devil gave them another instruction. But what made them to decide for the latter? Because they prefer to trust in the word of the devil more than the word of God. So trust is very important. And that is the reason why what happened to them actually happened. Because when you trust a person, you believe the person. So they trusted the devil, and so they believed that if they actually eat or ate that fruit, they would be wiser and they would be God, contrary to what God told them. So you see, the word trust here determines our obedience or disobedience to God or to man. Trust in Hebrew is called chasa, which simply means to hope in, to make something your refuge. Ruth chapter 2 verse 12. Ruth chapter 2 verse 12. So 
told us about Ruth and it was, I believe it was Boaz that was actually blessing her that the God of Israel will recompense her under whom she has come, under whose wing she has come to trust. So she has made the God of Israel her refuge. Her refuge. And in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 3, we hear David himself saying there that he trusted in God because God is his refuge, God is his strength. And because of that, he trusts God. He trusts God. Don't forget what our text told us, that trust or lean on the Lord. Trust the Lord. It also means to depend on or to rely on something totally or absolutely. It means to lean on. That was trust means. The world generally had misplaced their trust. They have put their trust in wrong hands or wrong things. And the Bible did not mind world by giving all hints and warning on misplacement of trust. Let me give us some example. Number one, he talked about trusting in yourself. And in the book of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, it says, trust not in your own understanding. So, now this scripture is warning us not to put trust in ourselves. Don't trust yourself. Don't come to any point in your life where you will trust yourself. That's number one. Number two, don't put your trust in man or in princes. Psalm 118, verse 8 to 9. Don't put your trust in man or in princes. In other way, do not trust man. Do not trust princes. Do not trust any gods. Do not trust any idol. Don't trust anything in the world. Do not trust any man. Do not trust any prince. Number three, don't put your trust in friends or companions. Don't put your trust in friends or companions. You find that in the book of Micah chapter 7 verse 5. A lot of people had been disappointed because they trusted friends. A lot of people have been have been betrayed because they trusted friends or they trusted their companions. Companions, you know what? Companions actually is a family member. You trust your brother. You trust your husband. You trust your wife. You trust your sister and so on. Say, so don't trust. Don't trust. There's only one personality that you should trust and that is the Lord. Say, so trust not in chariot or horses. Proverbs chapter, I'm uh, sorry, Psalm 20, verse 7 to 8. Some people trust in chariots, some people trusted in horses, but we trust our we trust, put our trust in God. He said, because those who trust in chariots and, and horses, chariots and horses can fail you. When you think that as there's something that you can rely on, it will give you victory. It will give you strength. It will give you support. There is nothing that can give you support and strength other than God. So don't put your trust in chariot or horses. And number five, because of time, trust not in riches. Trust not in riches. Psalm 62, verse 10. 
trust not in riches. Today's message we dwell on number five, which says trust not in riches. Because riches is the most powerful instrument the devil used to distract people. As a matter of fact, it distracts even the church or the Christian family. In the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, we were told that a man cannot serve two masters. It's either he trusts one and despises the other, or he hates one and clings to the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So, he said, God himself here is putting mammon down as a god, as a master that controls people, that take charge of people. And mammon, we believe, is the god of wealth. Mammon is the god of wealth. And the moment a man allow the God of wealth to take hold of him, he becomes a servant to money. But God says you can't serve two masters. The moment you allow mama to take away your heart, you can't serve God. So we should be very, very careful. Thereby making people to do many things they are not supposed to do. That is if the God of mama or if the love, so to say, the love of money, take hold of a man, he will make you to do a lot of things that you are not supposed to do. So, riches are not to be trusted. There are too many temptations in the world, drawing or taking our attention away from God. Hence, we need to work harder to stay focused. Hebrew chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of it. Now, the word looking here is the pick that we should stay focused. We should stay focused. We should glue our face on Jesus. Why? Because there are a lot of things that we want to take our attention away from him. There are a lot of things that we want to take our attention away from him. And especially in the part of this world called Africa. What is bedeviling, bedeviling African actually is poverty. You see, poverty as much as wealth, the two of them, they are instruments in the hand of the devil. Because in the Western world, for example, they are not poor, they are rich. Yet, that does not make them to serve God. And so, you cannot say that it is because Africa is poor, that's why they are serving God. Even in the, in, in, in the Western world, they are rich. They serving God? No. So we need to be very, very careful. We need to be very, very careful. So sometimes poverty, we take our focus or our attention away from Christ. And we begin to struggle because we want to come out of poverty. We want to come out of poverty and that will make us to jettison our 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 faith to set our uh, to set aside our faith in Christ 
and we begin to run another race, race for survival. We want to survive. We want to make it. But the scripture says, you must keep looking unto Jesus. He put it, he didn't say look unto Jesus, he said looking, continuous test. Keep looking unto Jesus, no matter what. Either you are poor or you are rich, do not take your attention away from Jesus. But you see, sometimes poverty will take your attention away. Just as wealth also is capable of taking your attention away from Christ. So, the person who is poor may say, ah, all I need is just to be rich and I will be fine in this world and I will serve God very well. Lie. Lie. Praise God. One of the strongest distractions is getting rich. Nothing is wrong with getting rich. But when it takes your, you completely away from God or it becomes God or an idol in itself, then there is a problem. Please, somebody help me read 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want it to be very loud. 1 Timothy chapter 6, read 9 to 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 9 to 10. Yes. But they... You know, that word, they that will be rich, is simple. That's not what actually is true. They that are striving, they that are looking for every means, every way to become rich. Yes? They fall into temptations and snares. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts. Oh, God of heaven. Please read on. That is the purpose. That, that is the, 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 the key here. You see, number nine actually is there because of number ten. The reason why people look for every means, every way to get wet is because of the love for it. Remember, in the, in the past week, we were talking about the love God hates. One of it actually is the love for money. Is the love for money. Why? There is nothing wrong with having money. But when you have love for it, you can do anything for it. And that is why I think it was last week I was still talking about it. Why the devil so much humiliates man. And we make a man because he said, I want to give you money. That's the devil. I want to give you riches and we ask you to go and be eating human feces or we say i want you to be, go and be eating another human flesh and i'll tell them to go and be sleeping with their mother or we'll be sleeping with their with their children you know or sleeping with underage things that a madman a madman who has lost his senses will not even do I've never seen a madman eating feces. I've never seen one. I've never seen a madman going to sleep with, with, with his relatives. So sometimes the devil will make you to be more than a mad person. Why? Because of the love of money. We make you to do things that that is beyond the mind of a human being. 
That's what the devil will do. The love of money is the root of all evil. Is the root of kidnapping. Is the root of of ritual killing. Is the is the root of of arm robbery, burglary. All these things we see. All the evil that we see in the world is the love of money that causes it. People want to get rich by all means. And so there's no fear of God in them. There are some wrong concepts about financial provision. Some wrong concepts even in the mind of believers. Let me show us. In the book of Mark, please somebody go to Mark chapter 10, verse 23 to 26. Mark chapter 10, read quickly. Mark chapter 10, 23 to 26. Jesus looked round about. And he now said to his followers, his disciples, he's not saying to the world, his followers, yes. How difficult, how hard will it be for those that are rich to enter into the kingdom of God? Please read on. they are shocked. The disciples were astonished at the teaching of Christ concerning the rich young ruler. Why? Because they, their belief was based on the concept that riches were in some way a, an evidence of God's favor. Especially if such person was combining the obedience to the law with his riches. As in verse 20 of that symbol. So, if this wrong ruler could not be saved, then who could? That was their question. Uh-uh. Was it not because God favored him? Because that's what we say. Even men of God will preach to you that if you are genuinely called by God, it will show through your, your affluence. You'll be rich, you'll have cars, you'll have money, you will not suffer, you no longer struggle. To them, these are the evidences that God has called you into the ministry. Or, the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, ah, no more struggling, no more suffering, everything, you will have everything, because God will provide, you will have money, you will have comfort, it's evidence that you are a child of God. These are wrong concepts. These are not true. These are not true. Just as we see, even right from the time of the disciples, when Jesus Christ was teaching them that even for those who trust in riches, it is to be easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for those who trust in riches to enter into the, into, into the kingdom of God. It means that it will be impossible 
because it is impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. You know how much you struggle to even put a thread through the eye of a needle. A thread, oh, Oriboshe Shoro, Latiki, Ogu Bonu, Bonu Iwabere, Kawasokwe, Wagbe Odidi, Rakumi, Wagbe Wonu Iwabere. So, see Rakumi Obale Wainu Iwabere, Kosheshe, when it obani, Beke, Nino Oro, Nino Ogu, Latiwojobo. Is a misplacement of trust. And God is calling our attention because, you know, it is happening in the, in, in the Christian family, in the house of God. Nowadays, everybody, what we are after is wealth, is riches. We want to have money. Everybody is running the race to have money. You go to places where you can easily have money. Every talk today is about prosperity, is about wealth, is about riches. Everywhere. Nobody is talking about godliness. Nobody is talking about holiness. Nobody is talking about sanctification. Nobody is talking about the dreadfulness of sin. Everything we want today is how to be comfortable. We are forgotten that the Western world, they are very rich. They are very comfortable. Yet they are not serving God. Most of the cathedrals and the big, big churches that their father built, they have turned it to a hotel, they have turned it to, 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 to disco houses. They have sold out those churches. As a matter of fact, it is Africans now that is going back to evangelize the West. The, the, the West. They are the ones who came and evangelized Africa in, in those days. But we are going back because they have lost the gospel. Why? Because they are too comfortable. They are rich. They have money. They are not poor. So our problem is not poverty or poverty or wealth. There's a problem that we really need to dig into. The law for riches, the law for wealth is a big problem. Praise God. The disciples were wrong in their assumption because their thinking was based on a wrong premise. They believed that one's wealth was a sign that God was working in that person's life, just as it was wrong to think that righteousness was based on keeping the law. Now, in the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 to 13, Apostle Paul says something. Can you read it there? Please read quick. Please, you help me to save time. I know both. I know both. How to be. Please, I want you to listen to that word carefully. I know, or other words, I have learned both to be a base, yes. And I know how to abound. man, God has so much given him grace. He said, I have learned to live the life of a poor man. I know what it is to live a poor life. So, when it comes to poverty, 
I know how to live that kind of life. And when it comes to riches, I have tasted it too. I know how to abound. So, the true life, he has tasted it too. And in the truth, he says, I am in charge. So, in other words, whether I am rich or I'm poor, it doesn't even matter. This is Paul Apostle talking here. He said, I learn how to be poor without complaining about my circumstances. I know how to go without food or shelter. This is an apostle who was highly anointed. So even in the ministry, he experienced hunger. Even in the ministry, he lived outside in the cold without a house. He didn't build a house. Praise God. Nowadays, the thing is that if you are a child of God, you must build a house. Is it true? If you didn't build a house, you didn't come to life. Now, people begin to struggle. I must build a house. I must build a house. I must build a house. It's good to build a house. Even if you don't have a car now as a pastor, people will respect you. Sometimes they will call you to come and minister to them. So everybody will begin to run. I want to have a car. And even when you have car, there are categories. When you get car, there are categories. And somehow we find ourselves in this thing as well as Christian and we are running with it. And that's why we say worldliness has crept into the church. So we are no different with them. The same thing that the world is running to, to get to achieve, to make is the same thing that we are running after, even in Christian fold. And that is why the gospel is losing its power in our life. The book of Timothy, that he said, we confess godliness, but we deny his power. We deny his power because we are not living the life of godliness. We are still living worldliness in godliness. It doesn't work. Why? Because we have been distracted. We have allowed something to take our face away from looking onto Jesus. We are not, no, no longer looking onto Jesus. We are looking onto wealth and our friends. We want to be comfortable. Because it is at that point where we are comfortable, where we have beautiful house, beautiful cars, then we are serving God. Then God is good. God is good. But Jesus was talking about this rich man. That, that's not true. And he said, in the time of plenty, I learned how to possess money without letting money possess me. That's Paul still talking here. I know how to make money serve me and not letting money make me its servant. There are a lot of people that money has turned to become their servant. They are very rich. But yet, and in the morning, they are running They are not, they are not, they are not at peace. They are still going. Don't allow yourself to be dragged into that. Just pray that God will give us understanding of this message in Jesus' name. God wants us to have riches, no doubt about it. But God does not want us to trust in it. 
And how can we deliver ourselves from it? Number one, we must have the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. Please read that first. Philippians. Yes, go ahead. Mm. first not yourself then you have the mind of Christ then when you have this word when you have these riches you will not misuse it you will not abuse it it will not be able to take possession of you that's number one number two contentment first Timothy chapter 6 6 to 8 first Timothy chapter 6 6 to 8 Yes. But godliness. I just wish every child of God, every Christian will understand this that we broke nothing and certainly we are taking nothing. So everything you have in this world, you have to spend it here in this world. I don't have the time. You remember when Jesus Christ was giving us a parable from the book of Luke about the straight servant? You remember the story of the straight servant who his master discovered that he was misusing his property and the master had it and was going to was going to sack him and immediately he had that information. Jesus was actually using that calling servant to drive home a point. And he said the man immediately began to do what is right, though using a wrong way. And how did he do it? He said he quickly went to the debtors and was saying, How much do you owe my master? He said, I have hundred. He said, Cut it to 50. How much do you owe? He said, I owe 50. He said, Cut it to 25. What was he trying to make? He was trying to build a relationship so that when that he is sad. He is coming back to the society, and so the society will be able to accept him. And that was what God said we should use the money we have to give as pay. Now the karma has come, and he said that look, we are going to be, be I mean, be checking the accounts of the church, and we are going to be putting uh, what do you call it, some trustee, choosing some trustee over, and the church is making this. And why is the government looking into it? Because they discover that the church suddenly is amassing wealth. There's nothing wrong with amassing wealth, 
But how can a, a single person be having billions of... You, you see the time of COVID, when a church will be giving billions to government. When in the history of Nigeria did the government ever give some thousand to the church? When we have mirrors of Christians that are still in abject poverty, when we have so many churches that are still struggling to put structure, when we still have the work of the gospel that is suffering everywhere, if redeem is rich, why can't he help Zion? If winner is rich, why can't he help Baptist? Is it not the same Christian? But we, we took the money and we were building empires. And of course, the government will look into it. Why won't they look into it? But recently, yes, we had that. Uh, well, I don't know if you did that one. Baba Debo just bought an helicopter. But the other time he had an airplane. Near last week or two weeks ago, he bought an helicopter. Yes, it's for the work of the gospel. I'm not saying anything wrong with it. Now that he has bought a helicopter, everybody now will want to have a helicopter. They all have jets. Now it's a helicopter. You know, but you see, there are a lot of churches in the swine, in, 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 in the slum. They have been in service. There are a lot of people who are serving under a, a condition that is not okay. There are a lot of people doing if Zion had money. You see, sometimes even the gospel, you don't need to open your mouth and begin to say, Jesus sake. That's what I believe. You don't need to do that. Enter into com- community. They don't have more water. Sink borehole. Give them water. They don't have hospital. Build a little hospital for them so that and they know that our own shape and church no shape there are some villages that they don't have good road to link one village you know before they do anything get a, a bulldozer and create a road and fellowship this church look great or not that is the gospel they will listen to you why because you are making life to be better they said we are the light of the world. The moment a Christian or a church enter into a community, light should come into it. And what is light? Light is better life. Life is impacting people's life. It's not the jeeps. It's not the good clothes. It's not the, the, the cathedrals we build. Spending so much amount of millions in building cathedrals and fixing air condition. Why would government look into the church? Why? And I want to believe that the hand of God is even there. And that's why even my comment, I'm reserving it. Because God rules in the affairs of men. And there's nothing that will happen that God will not know about. And this, uh, we don't believe that it is the Spirit of God that is leading those who are doing it. And we don't think that the Spirit of God is one asking Buhari says you. Says you. Says you. Because convenient believing is not the spirit of God. Praise God. So, contentment is a great game. If we are contented, you don't have too much. You won't. If in this house today we have two bags of rice, two bags of gari, 
We have 1,000 tubers of yam. We have uh, five gallons of oil. We have this and we have that. We put it so that we will not be hungry. I am telling you, in less than two months, a lot of them will get spoiled. They will get spoiled. majera, budget. How many months? Because so it means that you cannot take more than what you that's what God is trying to teach us in the case of manna. You go there, take the one you can eat. If you take over that one that is excessive, we get spoiled. So when it is over, the one that is over here, love Give it to another person who doesn't have. This one is the food that we can eat for this month. Okay, this essence, let's distribute it for those who doesn't have. Give it to them. Let them eat. You have clothes. Your rag is full of clothes. There are some that you don't even wear in years. What is he still doing there? Give it out. There are some people who cannot wear. This is how to control wealth. Or wealth begin to control you. Contentment. Contentment is a great game. We experience either financial wealth or temporary setback. This is the world. Either you are a child of God. Sometimes you have wealth, sometimes you have setback. But we must still maintain our steadfastness in our living. Godliness. All because our trust will be only on God. It's not on money. There are some people, of course, they are rich. And suddenly something happened to their company, something happened to their work, and everything went down. And because those things went down, they too, they went away from God. Ah, no. God, God, I have been serving God. I pay my tithes. Yeah? Most of the, 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 the churches we build, I, I sponsor it. Why will God allow this? The God will allow this to happen to me. It's not worthy of my service. Do you really trust God in the, in the first place or you trusted in your own? This is the reason why sometimes. God is not entrusting wealth into the hand of his children. Believe me. You know, sometimes when you begin to pray even about child, oh Lord, give me child. Oh Lord, I want child. Even if it is one. Sometimes that child, if God give it to you, it may be the child that will take away from the kingdom of God. And because of the God, we just will know it. Because the blessing of God is without sorrow. So let's 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 think it. God wants all his children to be there. After all, when we get to the kingdom of God, every one of us there will be no po- poverty there. Everything you see, streets is made of gold. God is 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 super rich. He wants everything. All these things that we are going for, we are only most of these precious stones, they are under the ground here. Yeah. God is not using them. Precious stones, don't want billions of billions of dollars. They are underground. It's not as if God is using it. Gold is there. Everything is there. So God is rich and he wants his children to be rich. But the problem is a lot of the children of God, they are not mature enough to handle it. 
are you mature enough? And what will show that you are mature enough? The spirit of contentment. The spirit that is putting others first. Ability to be able to empty yourself. Lack of greediness. When you see food is being served, greediness better know. Greediness. We should take away greediness from our lives. If the economy should fail or dissolve tomorrow, God's people will not be rendered inoperative because God is their source. Is able to keep them through times of scarcity as well as in time of plenty. Amen. As I conclude, I want us to read these three scriptures. Please let everybody open it. Somebody read Job chapter 31, 23 to 25, 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 to 19, and Psalm 37, verse 3, 52, verse 7. I will say it again. Job 31. You read 23 to 25. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. Then Psalms 37, verse 3, 52, verse 7. Please let's read that quickly as we round up. Yes. Please read up to that if you enter here. Hmm. Trust in the Lord and do good. Mm. So shall thou dwell in the land, mm. and verily thou shalt be fed. Yes, and thou shalt be fed. Yes, Job 31, 23 to 25, 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. High-mindedness. No trust in. In fact, he called riches what? Uncertain. He called riches uncertain. People should suffer that. Riches are uncertain. The trust on uncertain riches. Yes, please read that. But trust in the living God. He gave us all these things to enjoy. Yes. That's the purpose. Yes. Mm. Internal life. Thank you. The last one. Job 31. 23 to 25. Yeah. 
well for me this is what happened this is so important my point is this do not set God aside in your quest for money that's if you are poor do not replace or make money your God when you have it both of them they are evil and they are sinful we must be careful God wants every child of his to be rich and that's why he gives us opportunity there are privileges that can make us to be rich but whatever riches or wealth that God gave to us he gave it to us to use it to serve him because wealth and riches are servants to us we are not to serve it and I pray that the God of heaven will bless us in Jesus name I want you to bow down your head and I want you to give thanks to God.